1: A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
0: Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn. I can't lie to the wrong line already. And
1: he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw up above his head. They can't jump in
0: the knee. Golly. Oh, they tackle the corner. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> Whoa. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud members of the Full Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. And you can find my co host for the day, Mr. Matthew Fox, at Nighthawk774 on Twitter. We are just one of many great podcasts a part of this network. You have Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Ronis and Dr. Roto from SiriusXM XM Radio, Bob Long of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Dwayne McFarlane and Blake Sullivan, and a ton of other great podcasts. Your one-stop shop for all of your fantasy news, advice, and strategies. You can find all of us on FullTimeFantasy.com. For today's episode, Mr. Matthew Fox will be joining me as we break down seven of the games from the Sunday slate, including the Thursday night football game as we were having some issues with our equipment. The audio is still a little a bit of work in progress. I'm still having some issues, but we wanted to try and get something out there. Hopefully it's not too unbearable and we're able to get all of this fixed before the Tuesday podcast. Uh, obviously, if it is, we apologize ahead of time if you guys can't listen to the full episode due to the audio. Uh, it does get a little... um bouncing off stuff here and there at times so i do apologize about that I'm working on getting that fixed as quickly as possible hope you guys enjoy the podcast Hello! and as always on mondays we've got mr matthew fox joining me today to break down some of the games from sunday matt how was your uh, fantasy football weekend and how was your nfl weekend altogether? Yeah, that is that is true. Unfortunately, I guess uh, I had finally a, a good weekend with uh, the Browns winning, though my fantasy teams have gone to shit because I, I seem to just be playing the highest scoring team every single week, and it's really starting to grind my gears a little bit. I know I'm, I actually feel like I'm doing pretty good in the in the FLA Riders League, but outside of that one, I'm am, I'm am not doing well, and it is really uh really starting to kill me now. I just I cannot seem to catch a break at all. All right, so let's see here. We are going to jump in and do seven of the 15 games that are being played over this weekend. Obviously, still have a game to go Monday night, and we will start with the Thursday night football game between the Eagles and the Packers.
1: First and 10 at the Lions 29,
0: and Prescott goes screen right. Elliott down the right side to the 25, to the 20, to the 10, Elliott to the pylon, Zeke Elliott, touchdown, 38 on the screen.
1: Second down at 10, takes the snap, gives it, sharp runs, he's in it, 15, he's at the 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50 goes Chubb!
0: 227 against the Packers, Uh, a fairly good game, actually. Probably the first good game we have had on Thursday night so far this season. Again, the Eagles pulling off a huge victory here, moving to 2-2, Packers falling to 3-1. For the Eagles side here, Carson Wentz continues to be a good quarterback for fantasy. 16-27, 16-27, 160 yards and three touchdowns to finish as QB 10 on the week with 29.7 points. Jordan Howard has a career game in this one, 87 yards on 15 carries and two touchdowns. Adds in a receiving touchdown on 28 yards on three catches, the, the touchdown coming on a 20-yard play to finish as RB 3 on the week with 32.5 points. Miles Sanders, I thought, looked really good in this game, but just was not getting a whole lot of run. Finishes his RB 39 on the week with 7.2 points, 72 yards on 11 carries. Again, I think that once he gets taken off kickoff duties, he'll be more relevant, but we've not seen that yet. Alshon, the only wide receiver outside of Ertz, that does much of anything. 38 yards, three catches, and a touchdown to finish his wide receiver. 24 with 12.8 points. Ertz tied in seven on the week, 13.5 points, 65 yards on seven catches. So, again, good game for the Eagles. Howard has a career game. How much do you trust him moving forward?
1: You know, I think uh, I would still put him in the, in the flex range. I think it's really going to depend kind of a little bit on game flow and how the Eagles are going to – Be playing from week to week. It feels like one of those kind of New England type backfields, Um, you know, and obviously he got 15 carries, which was good, even more interesting. He was involved in the passing game, getting four targets. He was actually the only of the running backs to get targets. So that was kind of interesting. If we see another game or two that look exactly like this, then you know maybe I'm moving him up to an RB two status. But we have we can't completely forget the first three weeks of the season where we didn't see anything close to this, and you just have to wonder if this was a case of a hot hand and kind of riding it in there. I feel like Howard might be settling into a little bit of a kind of Sony Michelle esque role in philadelphia and we've seen you know obviously at times sony michelle's been great for new england at times they've gone to some of their other running backs depending on what's happening and you know they traded for him for a reason so i think he's always still going to be a part of it this year um but miles sanders is talented and you know it's hard to tell too how much the injuries in the passing game are impacting the way they chose to do player you should still know deshaun jackson uh, this last week, Jeffrey played, but he was a little banged up. Dallas Goddard a little banged up, too. And we didn't see anything from Nelson Aguilar in that game. So kind of just a, a weird game. The Eagles have a lot of players, and I think week to week, there's going to be some frustration.
0: Yeah, I was obviously hoping Miles Sanders would get a lot more run. I, I had him as like my, my pick of the week for Thursday night. I thought he would have a good game. Of course, it ended up being Howard, so I guess in a way, I was kind of right. But I, I really... I just think Miles Sanders is so good that he needs to be used more often, but I guess that is partially my fault as well. We've talked about it many times. Doug Peterson has always seemed to kind of be a two-down or a, a two, have a two-back system, and so maybe I should have just listened more to those people saying that Miles Sanders was was not going to be quite as involved, at least not right now, than I thought he was going to be Howard, I'm with you, though. I I don't know if I necessarily trust him moving forward. I mean, if you're in a deep league and you possibly throw him in as like a second flex and hope that he has a game like this, but I don't think we can trust that moving forward. I actually do think moving forward, Miles Sanders still has more value because I don't think they're going to be as run heavy, and we have seen Miles Sanders get a lot more involved in the passing game over the past few weeks uh, with Darren Sproles really kind of being pushed into a a kind of third – and really a third role with being the kickoff and punt coverage guy. So I think Miles Sanders does have a lot of lot of value moving forward, just not showing us a whole lot just yet. On the Packers' side, so as I mentioned, they, they lost this game, but Aaron Rodgers had a phenomenal game, not just NFL-wise, but for fantasy. It was kind of surprising they came up in a loss here. 34-53 for 422 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Also added 46 yards on five carries to finish as a QB. My goodness, I just lost it. Uh, He finishes a QB 2 on the week with 37.98 points. Aaron Jones scores you a couple touchdowns but does not do much else in the game. One touchdown on 21 yards on 13 carries. and Oh, I thought he had two touchdowns. I'll take that back. So one touchdown, 37 yards on 6 carries, Six catches to finish as running back 14 on the week with 17.8 points. Devontae Adams had himself a monster game until he got pulled out with turf toe. Finishes as wide receiver three on the week with 28 points. 180 yards on 10 catches would have definitely gone over 200 had he stayed in that game. And then Geronimo Allison steps up as the number two. This week with 52 yards on three catches and a touchdown. However, Marquez Valdez-Scantling did out-target him but just caught three of those uh, catches for 47 yards. And Jimmy Graham comes back alive again this week. Uh, One touchdown, 61 yards on six catches to finish his tight end. Three on the week with 18 points. Allison, wide receiver, 16 with 15.65 points. So, again, despite the loss, Rodgers and most of the Packers still have a good game. Kind of surprised uh, with Jones doing such a good job against that uh, that Eagles front, which, I mean, I guess he didn't really do a good job. Just the touchdown is what saved his day. But if he's going to keep scoring, we saw Jamal Williams get knocked out with concussion. If he keeps scoring, he's definitely worth putting in your lineup every week. But Jimmy Graham, is he worthy of being a tight end two starter for you? With him, This is, I mean, two games in, in the past four that he's actually been pretty good.
1: Yeah, I think given the tight end landscape, Jimmy Graham's always a possible starter. I have him in a few leagues, a couple of them I started in because I didn't have any better options, a couple of leagues I didn't, and then had regrets later. I mean, if he if he can get some consistent targets, he's a piece of a pretty high-volume offense. Um, there's always a chance he's going to get in the end zone. We've seen him score twice in four weeks, and those have been two good games, two other games not so good, so it seems like he's kind of a 50-50 guy. Uh, For Jones, it's unfortunate what happened with Jamal Williams, but that might be the best thing for him for the next couple of weeks with reduced competition. Be curious to see um, how he can do because his, his yards per carry and his production in the run game have been atrocious. Last week, I think it was 10 carries for 19 yards, got the two TDs. This week, 13 carries for 21 yards, got a TD that's not going to be sustainable, though. You know, if you take away those TDs, what are we looking at here? And it's not what we were hoping coming into this season.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you on the, the touchdowns thing. You know, I said uh, I put out there that I thought Aaron Jones would be a, a, a decent sit this week just due to the fact of how good that defense is against the run. And, and, and in a way, I was proven right. Again, obviously, the touchdown did help him. It made him have a very viable fantasy day. Uh, but outside of that, I don't think uh, – you know, he if he doesn't score that touchdown, you're sitting there looking, okay, Matt was right. We should not have started him. So not, not necessarily a great day for, for Aaron Jones. The next game up, we've got the Redskins losing to the Giants 3-24. For the Redskins side here, we saw Dwayne Haskins start his uh, – NFL career, and it did not go over very well for him. 9 of 17, 107 yards on three interceptions to finish his QB 29 on the week with 2.83 points. Really only two other players worth mentioning here. Chris Thompson, four yards on four carries, but adds 56 yards on four receptions to finish his RB 32 on the week with 10 points. And then Paul Richardson with... Uh, Terry McLaurin out here um, gets uh, finishes really as, as the best wide receiver on the week with 14 yards on three catches. Wide receiver 65.9 points. I mean, Jeremy Sprinkle had a 21 yard catch. Really outside of them, just nobody doing anything. Jay Gruden has not committed to Dwayne Haskins starting next week against uh, the Patriots, I believe, which is probably a good call on his part because we all know that Bill Belichick against first-year and second-year quarterbacks is pretty much money. So it's probably a good idea to throw Case Keenum back out there. With that being said, Case Keenum or Dwayne Haskins, are you even willing to put anybody outside of Chris Thompson or Terry McLaurin into a flex spot?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. I of course was bummed to see uh, McLaren miss. I uh, would have liked to see him against a Giants defense that's not very good. Um, you know, we didn't get a lot of Chris Thompson. Their offense is abysmal, you know, 121 yards passing total against again and four interceptions against again the Giants who we've seen lit up time and again. They most people have wondered throughout the season if they even have a pass defense, and yesterday they look like Hall of Famers out there. I, I think Washington's season is lost. Case Kingdom's not the future, so you got to go to Haskins at some point. Nothing about what we saw yesterday against a soft defense made you think he's anywhere close to being ready sort of seemed to confirm uh, the reasons that Jay Gruden had had for not wanting to roll him out there at the beginning, and we saw what? the Patriots just did on the road to a slightly better and more seasoned quarterback in Josh Allen and Buffalo so I I don't know that next week is the ideal time they're gonna have to find a spot here in the next couple weeks and throw him out there but after what we saw don't hold a ton of hope for him and I think that really depresses the pass the pass offense in Washington altogether.
0: Yeah, I, I personally thought that the best week for him to go out there would have ended up being, uh, I think it's next week or two weeks when they play Miami. I thought that would have been like the perfect transition spot for him. Throw him out there, see what he does. Uh, I would imagine, regardless, he doesn't start this week against the Patriots. As I said, we, we all know Tom Brady... Uh, and Bill Belichick's run against younger quarterbacks. So I can't imagine he goes out there, but I agree with you. they got to get the future started now with Washington. See, I, I think he's the future. I think he's a phenomenal quarterback. Uh, but, uh, Redskins aren't going anywhere, and likely Jay Gruden is not going to be back there either. So we'll, we'll see what happens with them. On the Eagles side, I'm sorry, the Eagles side, the Giants side of things. So Daniel Jones, I mean, Danny Dimes is, is 2-0 right now for the for the Giants here, actually comes out and has a, a fairly decent game. 23 of 31 with uh, 225 yards, one touchdown, and two interceptions to finish as QB 18 on the week with 20.5 points. Wayne Gallman balls out in Saquon Barkley's absence, finishing his RB5 on the week with 27.8 points. 63 yards on 18 carries and a touchdown, adds 55 yards on six catches and a touchdown. Though that touchdown catch was a little... I mean, he was wide open and was wide open for a while. I mean, Daniel Jones went through like six or seven reads, it felt like, before he saw him wide open. So I don't want to read too much into that. But Sterling Shepard and Evan Ingram continue to ball out as well. Sterling Shepard, 76 yards on seven catches to finish his wide receiver 12 on the week with 18.4 points. And Evan Ingram tied in 17, 19 point – I'm sorry, 9.4 points in this one, 54 yards on four catches. I really like – What I've seen out of Shepard and Ingram since Daniel Jones has come out again, we don't know how Shepard would have looked. He never played with Eli Manning because he got hurt. Uh, I still think he probably would have been this good. We did see the Giants give him an extension actually in the offseason, which makes me wonder if maybe they thought this was finally his year to fully kind of ball out. Uh, And I've really liked what I've seen out of him. I would like your opinion on Ingram and Shepard. Obviously, I'm trusting both of them moving forward. They're easily in my lineup every single week. But what about Wayne Gallman? I feel like this was kind of a a fluke game. I don't want to say, say that. I know I was higher on him than you were last week when we talked about the Barkley injury. But just kind of what are you expecting out of Gallman after we saw that performance last week against a weak Redskins defense?
1: Yeah, I didn't think Gallman looked too bad, um, and I think he's worth a play moving forward if you can be uh, fairly certain he's going to get this kind of share of uh, the load. He did have a fumble that he lost late in the game, so that's a little bit concerning. Yards per carry, not great, um, but you know I have to see how that goes. I don't think the Giants line is that great. One of the reasons I think uh, that Daniel Jones has done a little bit better than Manning is because of his ability to run away from people and to roll out away from people. It was a it was a fine game um, based on what we saw yesterday of Tampa Bay versus Los Angeles. They don't have a very good defense, and we know the Redskins don't have a very good defense. So I'll be curious to see what Jones and Shepard and Ingram look like against better passing defenses. I would expect. Gallman's workload in the passing game to ebb down a little bit further because Golden Tate is eligible to come back now. Um, It was a it was a fine day. It was a commanding win uh, for New York. I actually thought Daniel Jones would have played a little bit better, given how terrible we've seen this Washington defense being. So, um, you know, he was okay. But I'm not ready to uh, crown him yet. The, the Giants are still going to have a tougher schedule coming up, and I'll be curious to see what he what happens when he plays a little bit higher caliber defenses.
0: Yeah, uh, see, I, I don't. I'm interested to see how it works between Shepard and Ingram. I guess is the way I want to put it because I do think one of them is still going to continue to get the ball. Like for instance, it'll be. I know they play the Patriots soon as well. It'll be interesting for me to see who. Belichick decides to take away because you know it's going to be one of those two weapons and then how the other one steps up. I personally have liked what I've seen out of Shepard. Uh, and then obviously you have to play Ingram, as we've talked about many times. The tight end landscape is just so bad. Even even if he gets you you know, five points, you're likely getting a top 15 tight end. Although this year has been extremely weird for fantasy everywhere. For me, it feels like. Uh, So I I love both those guys though right now. I agree with you on Jones. I felt like he should have played better as well. But division game, you kind of never know how those are going to shake out sometimes. It seems like they always play each other a little bit tougher. Speaking of division games that many of us thought was going to be a tough game, I'm going to cue the music up really quick. The Cleveland Browns beat the Baltimore Ravens 42-27. Now, don't let that scoreline fool you. It was a lot closer than that, much like the Tennessee Titans and Browns game. It was like a seven-point game going into the fourth quarter. Browns just kind of ran ran away with it in that one. But the Browns offense, for the most part, finally got rolling a little bit in this one, and it was nice to see Baker had himself a good day as long, along with a bunch of the offense here. So Baker finishes as QB 14 on the week. With 22.78 points, 20 of 30, 342 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Did try to run the ball at one point. It was a little bit funny because, man, did he get run down by the defender so quickly. It was really, I don't want to say funny, but interesting watching him doing some of the rushing work and then Lamar Jackson and just the differences in speed there. But Jarvis Landry balled out in this one. Unfortunately got a concussion late in this game. I would have loved to see what else he could have done. Finishes his wide receiver six on the week. With 24.7 points, 167 yards on eight catches, was getting open in the zone, in the open parts of the zone defense that Baltimore was playing. Nick Chubb had himself a day, really, though, because of one carry. 20 carries, 165 yards, and three touchdowns to finish as RB1 on the week with 39.30 points. Again, the 88 yard touchdown, which we have seen in a way I feel like is a staple of Nick Chubb at this point. We saw multiple times last year when he was a bench player. Now is a starter, and again, a lot of those yards, half, pretty much half of his yards came on that one play. Up until that point, I believe, he had like 11 carries for 30 yards. So he was not doing much on the ground. Ravens defense was doing a really good job of holding him up, but that's all it takes is that one breakaway run for him to make your day. OBJ, with Chubb and Jarvis going off, has a little bit of a slower game here. Wide receiver 66 with just four points in this one. Get you 20 yards on two catches. Humphreys held, uh, held him in check. Still got seven targets, but Humphreys played him really well. They obviously got into the little fight on the field. I'm not worried about that. I imagine both will get fine. The interesting play for me, though, here is Ricky Seals-Jones. So a lot of people were thinking that Demetrius Harris would be the tight end of note when he went down. Now, he did score a couple weeks ago, but RSJ has been slowly playing better the past couple weeks, and a lot of people had him as a breakout player a couple years ago in Arizona. Finishes his tight end four on the week with 17.2 points, 82 yards on three catches and a touchdown. Longest play coming on that 59-yarder, but the touchdown was a great play. Got, just got wide open. So, again, I love the way that this offense looked. A little bit misleading on the final score. But my question for you is RSJ. Is he a worthy tight end option now? Was Njoku likely being – well, Njoku's out till at least November right now with him being placed on the IR. So were you willing to pick up RSJ and possibly play him in his spot if you had Njoku?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth picking up and stashing whether you want to play him week to week. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'm – ready to go that far yet, but he definitely looks like he is picking up as the passing tight end there. Um, you know, better, much better performance, and you know, it's amazing. This team, a couple weeks ago, even last week, people really worried about their future, and you wake up this morning, they are in first place in the AFC North, so what a difference a 40-point uh, smackdown on your division rival will do.
0: On the Ravens side here, so it really actually wasn't a bad game for the Baltimore Ravens, although I do think they got bailed, or at least Lamar got bailed out a little bit here with a a late touchdown to Willie Sneed. Lamar Jackson finishes as QB3 on the week with 36.48 points. Uh, let's see here. What did his? What was he again? 24-34, 247 yards and three touchdowns, two interceptions. Again, uh, a lot of that coming on the Willie Sneed 50-yard touchdown pass. So uh, under 200 yards before that pass and that touchdown play. But did get you 66 yards on the ground again. So that is where a lot of his uh, points come from. And we'll obviously talk about him in a minute because he's someone that I've talked about that I think is regressing along with his running back. Mark Ingram, 71 yards on 12 carries. So actually a fairly good game here, 5.9-yard average, but doesn't do much else and doesn't bring you anything in the receiving game, which I think is why it's time to sell on Mark Ingram. RB, 35, 9.6 points. Willie Sneed finishes as your best wide receiver on the day with wide, as wide receiver 20 with 14.10 points. Again, 61 yards, two catches in the touchdown. That all coming on the last uh, drive pretty much for Baltimore. 50-yard touchdown uh, play with, I think, like three minutes left in the game. Let's see who else we had. Miles Boykin who scored a touchdown, finishing his wide receiver 27 with 12.2 points, 32 yards, one touchdown, three catches. Marquise Hollywood Brown continues his slow kind of play the past couple weeks after those huge two first weeks. Wide receiver 58, 6.2 points in this one with 22 yards on four catches. And then Mark Andrews continues to be a legit top tight end, finishing his tight end eight on the week with 13.10 points. 31 yards, four catches, and a touchdown. For the Ravens, we're going to get a little bit deeper into this because I have three big questions here, all based around really their three main pieces in Lamar, Hollywood, Brown, and Ingram. We all know Andrews is a solid play every single week. Would you, number one, sell high on Lamar Jackson? He is, again, now, don't get me wrong, he's still the QB1 right now for fantasy, but we've seen now two good defenses, not even great, and the Browns and the Chiefs find a way to slow him get down. Again, the Chiefs, he got bailed out with two YOLO play- passes at the end of the game to really help out his numbers. And then the same thing with the Browns, the 50-yard touchdown pass to Willie Sneed. Mark Ingram has continued to struggle as well, though he did get you a lot of points against the Chiefs. Not involved at all in the passing game and when he plays teams or when they play teams that can shut down the run. I feel like he's not going to do anything for you. And then Hollywood Brown. I don't know if you can necessarily sell high on him because this has now been two games in a row that he's been bad. Obviously, Dynasty, you're holding on to him and Lamar. But in a redraft league, would you try and sell high on him if you could, you know, banking on him, having better games or find that maybe a Ravens fan that would be willing to buy him uh, at a decent price?
1: Yeah, I don't know. What you can really get for Brown, uh, trying to sell him in redraft, uh, you can try. Uh, I, th- I think he's going to be one of those kind of up or down. I had a uh, moment of indecision yesterday where I was con- contemplating my options since Scott- Chris Godwin was uh, questionable for the afternoon. I almost took him out and put Marquise Brown in. I actually made that lineup switch for a little while and I looked at it and thought, no, I'll just roll the dice. I'll either get Godwin or a zero. And um I think Jesus was looking out for me with that one because I probably, I would not, I would not be on this call today. I would be dead if I would have, <laughs> if I would have made that switch. But, you know, I think coming into the season, I know both of us uh thought that the Ravens m- might, you know, be more closer to five hundred, you know, ten, six, nine, and seven, uh, than a team that was going to lead out. And I think some of us got lulled a little bit to a false sense of security by seeing how they opened the season against Miami and Arizona, who we've seen now through the first month are two of the worst teams in the league, especially on defense. And. I had wondered, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week, if the Ravens defense maybe wasn't as good as it had been in previous years. We saw them struggle against Arizona at home in week two. People were willing to say that that was just Kyler Murray and Arizona really got it together. In two subsequent weeks, we've seen that that isn't really the case, even though they've faced what are supposed to be lesser defenses. And the narrative throughout this entire week against the Browns was, well, you know, we've seen the Browns struggle a little bit on offense against really good defenses, and that's, you know, the Ravens have one of the best in the league. And I wondered how much that was going to be true, and I think we saw yesterday their defense isn't where it was last year. And even though Lamar Jackson has taken steps forward in some ways, as a team, they might have regressed more toward the middle of the pack. I wouldn't say that they're incredibly great on one side of the ball or the other, and there are aspects of their game that are great. Mark Ingram, I think, is somebody who you still have to play, but it's going to end up being a little bit of fr- a little bit of frustration. He was actually a decent pass catcher in New Orleans. It's interesting they aren't involving him here in the passing game, but I also look at there were 29 carries yesterday that the Ravens has a team. Nine of those come from Jackson. You never know when he's either going to do like week one where he ran for hardly anything or week two where he runs for 120 and that sucks up all the rushing oxygen. But out of the 20 carries that remain, Ingram only got 12 of those. Six went to Gus Edwards, two went to Justice Hill. That tells you he's only getting about 60% of the run in what as you noted, was a close game for much into the third quarter. So that would be a little concerning to me. He's putting up good numbers when he gets the ball. Touchdowns are always going to be fluky. If he's facing this much competition and they're not involving him, they're either not involving him or not able to involve him in the passing game, you're going to have some wild fluctuations.
0: Yeah, that's, and that's what worries me. I know everybody's kind of bought in as, as he is the guy there. And again, as someone who watched that entire game, it was surprising to see Gus Edwards out there as much as he was. So, I mean, that's personally why I would sell high on, on Ingram, if you could. Again, he is someone I think is still probably going to be an RB2, maybe at worst high end RB3. But with his value right now, with him being as high up as he is based, mostly on because he scored so many touchdowns up until this point in the season, you can likely get a more productive or possibly more consistent back, in my opinion, than Ingram. So I would I would try and sell him if you could. Next up, we had the Panthers and the Texans, which turned out to be a fairly decent game, mostly a defensive struggle, and the Panthers 16 to the Texans 10. On the Panthers' side here, you have got... Kyle Allen finishes QB 26 on the week with 9.28 points, 232 yards, 24-34. No touchdowns, no interceptions. Did lose three fumbles, though. Christian McCaffrey continues to ball out and be an absolute stud. Running back two on the week, 35.4 points, 93 yards on 27 carries, and a touchdown added 86 yards on 10 receptions. Caught all 10 of his targets. Uh, let's see, Jarius Wright ends up being the best wide receiver for the Panthers, 55, 59 yards on five catches to finish as wide receiver 31 with 10 points. And then Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore really kind of fall back a little bit here. Samuel wide receiver 45 with 7.8 points, 32 yards on three catches. And then DJ Moore 44 yards on three catches to be uh, wide receiver 52 with 7.4 points. Cam Cam Newton released a video earlier this week talking about how he's not going to come back until he's fully healthy. He's kind of hid that ankle, not the ankle, the foot injury from the doctors and everything because he just wanted to go out there and play. He thought he would be okay. He's not coming back until he is fully healthy, which means we've likely got Kyle Allen for a while. I mean, the Panthers are 2 0, so that is good for them and Kyle Allen, but really a lot of people were relying on DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. Many of us, including myself, had those two as like breakout candidates. Moving forward, are you worried about them right now with Kyle Allen leading this offense?
1: Yeah, I think the only one you feel good starting week to week consistently is Christian McCaffrey. Um, Moore and Samuel are going to have games like they had last week. They're probably going to have games like they had this week. If you're looking at the targets, kind of a really fascinating. Samuel got seven targets, five for Moore, six for Wright. Just to really even split, Greg Olson also kind of falls off the shelf, only catching two for five. Uh, and then of course you know bringing up flashbacks of all our hopes and dreams of the first month of 2018 Chris Hogan sighting uh him getting getting in there getting a single target it almost felt like he was right back in the New England offense uh with his one target i you know they played okay McCaffrey is such a force in the rushing game and in the passing game and it seems like Carolina really trying to settle into a formula of playing good defense, uh, controlling the clock by running the ball and not trying to lose the game. And I think Kyle Allen's done a nice job as a game manager, Um, probably going to have some better games when they start playing some of their division foes because it doesn't look like uh, Tampa Bay or Atlanta has ever heard of the word defense. So there might be some uh, openings up there, but um, I think McCaffrey right now, the only one I feel good about starting.
0: Yeah, and that sucks too. Because as as I just mentioned, I'm a, I'm a huge Samuel guy. I really thought he was going to have a good year this year. I mean, I love DJ more coming out last year as well. Uh, but I really thought Samuel was going to kind of break onto the scene. I, I just don't feel like that's really going to happen now without Cam, which is which is a little bit disappointing. On the Texans side here, so Deshaun Watson struggled pretty much, pretty, pretty much, pretty mightily in this one, finishing his QB 20 on the week with 16.85 points. I actually thought he gave a pretty cool interview at the end of uh, that game. Uh, A reporter asked him about the coverages and whatnot, and him explaining kind of what happened and how the Panthers played him and the respect he kind of gave Luke Keekly, I thought was really interesting. If you guys. want to listen to that. It's actually a fairly interesting uh, little answer that he gives, but he goes 21 and 33 for 160 yards, um, adds 12 yards on three carries and a touchdown. Again, just getting beat up back there with a bad, bad offensive line. We saw Deandre Hopkins throw a pass as well for an interception, which kind of hurt a lot of fantasy players this week as well. We'll just go to him wide receiver 53 on the week with 7.1 points, 41 yards on five catches a couple weeks in a row now that he has not been good. This is actually All of last season, much like Devontae Adams, he had at least a touchdown or 70 yards in every single one of his games. He has yet to do both of those things so far this season. He's obviously caught a touchdown, but that is it. It's been really depressing outside of that first game against New Orleans, if you are a DeAndre Hopkins owner. The backfield continues to be just a complete cluster here. Duke Johnson finishing his RB 25, 11.3 points. Carlos Hyde, RB 30 with 10.4 points. Hyde still gets the most carries, 58 yards on 12 carries. uh, And Duke Johnson, 56 yards on six carries. So, again, almost matches him in yardage on less carries. But Duke Johnson, two catches for 22 yards. Carlos Hyde, four catches for six yards. I mean, I feel like... This offense has been looking as bad as it is because of product of how bad the offensive line is. We've seen, in a way, Deshaun Hopkins fall victim to that the past two weeks. And really, I'm I'm wondering, is that why you think – DeAndre Hopkins has fallen victim to what we've seen because I know the offensive line was bad last year. probably bad even the year before that, but it really feels like Deshaun Watson this year, more than any other year I've watched, is really running for his life on every single play. And I feel like that's got to affect what's going on with DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. The big
1: move to get Laramie Tunsil, we all kind of applauded at the time. And um, God, can you imagine what this line would be like without him? Because... It does not look good. It has not looked good all season. You know, even though they were able to put up some numbers against New Orleans in that opening night game, he was getting pounded, you know, getting hurt at one point in time. And I think that's impacting his ability to rush a little bit, which is where he's going to get some of his points. He was able to run in for a touchdown yesterday, kind of salvaging his day a little bit. But, uh, you know, Watson, with where you drafted him and with the potential, you're probably still playing him. Hopkins you're definitely still playing them with where you drafted them. Everything else just feels like a toss up and you just have to hope that maybe they're going to be able to play a a few looser defenses. I mean, they have played the Jaguars and then uh, the Panthers have a pretty ferocious front. So those are not easy games. The last two weeks kind of holding them down, but uh, you know, they play in a division that's going to be very tough, which we, we already talked about before, you know, the Colts, have, a de- have improved on defense. The Jaguars obviously have a pretty impressive secondary, have a decent defense. And the Titans, you know, they go back and forth, but their defense usually seems capable of producing pressure. So this could be an ongoing uh, problem for the Texans.
0: Yeah, I mean, for sure. I really, they've they've got to get that offensive line together. Maybe you're right on the defensive part. They have played some really good defenses. So hopefully playing Possibly some weaker opponents here coming up that'll really help. But again, I think that is that's really been the product on why we've seen Watson Hopkins really struggle. They're the only two main guys that we're all focusing on for fantasy. Next up, you got the Tennessee Titans beating the Atlanta Falcons twenty four to ten. Tennessee move into two and two, uh, which is a little bit surprising. Marcus Mariota has a really good game here. QB seven on the week thirty three point seven points. 227 yards on 18-27 and and three touchdowns adds 22 yards rushing. Derrick Henry, I think, continues to prove that he is just an RB2, finishing his RB24 on the week, 11.8 points. Does get you 100 yards on 27 carries, uh, but not much in the receiving game or a touchdown in this one, eight yards on one catch. We saw the wide receivers kind of come alive here and remind us of just how much potential A.J. Brown and Corey Davis have. A.J. Brown, wide receiver 7 on the week with 24.4 points, 94 yards, 3 catches, 2 touchdowns. Corey Davis, 91 yards on 5 catches and a touchdown to finish his wide receiver 9 on the week with 20.10 points. And then due to that, I think is why Delaney Walker really kind of struggled. Also came in dealing with a little bit of an injury in this one. Coming in at a tight end 56 with 1.4 points in this one. So not much to write home about for him. The Titans continue to win and look like a decent team. Uh, Mariota does have the big week. However, just me personally, I don't think I can trust anybody on this offense. I, I, You know that I'm not a big Derrick Henry fan. If you own him, he's obviously getting plugged into your RB2 or flex spot every week because he's shown that he can at least give you double-digit points. But are you willing to trust anybody on this offense?
1: No, I, I think this game is much more about Atlanta not being very good uh, on either side of the ball. And it is about Tennessee. Derrick Henry is still probably to be a middle-of-the-pack RB2 with some upside. You know, you never know if he's going to burst for some big plays and some big touchdowns. But um, these wide receivers, A.J. Brown had a great day, but he was targeted three times, caught all three for 94 yards and two touchdowns. That's just bad defense, and that's not sustainable. Corey Davis has been clinically dead all season. Gets targeted six times, catches five for 91 and a touchdown. This is about Atlanta. Not, not as much about Tennessee to me.
0: Yeah, and that's it's kind of surprising because a lot of people had Atlanta picked to be like one of the possible winners of the NFC South. And I don't want to say it's all because of the Keanu Neal injury because they really weren't playing before he went down. Uh, that might be part of it. He is considered one of the best defensive backs in the game. Uh, but we'll we'll see what happens with Atlanta moving forward because. While their defense, I feel like is, as you were just saying, really kind of not or not that good and allowing a lot of points, their offense continues to just be studs, at least for fantasy. Matt Ryan, 397 yards, 35 of 53, though no touchdowns in this one. Finishing as QB12 with 24.43 points. Fantasy-wise, Devonta Freeman has a good day, finishing his RB13 with 18 points. 28 yards on 12 carries, so just a 2.3 average, but does get you eight catches for 72 yards, which I think helps. Again, Ito Smith being injured, uh, not yeah, he still got out there a little bit, but not quite as much as we've seen the first couple games. I think is helping out Freeman's value a little bit. Mohamed Sanu finishes as the best wide receiver, wide receiver 13 with 18.10 points, 91 yards on nine catches. Julio Jones comes in at wide receiver, 37, 9.3 points, 52 yards on four catches. Riley Ridley, 32 yards, three catches. Wide receiver, 59, 6.2 points. Austin Hooper, though, tight end, one on the week, 23.5 points, 130 yards on nine catches. Again, the Falcons offense, no matter how bad their defense is, and maybe that's helping them because they're trying to get those garbage time points or throwing the ball a lot to stay in the game, they continue to struggle, still putting up a lot of fantasy points. Two weeks in a row now we've seen Devonta Freeman have uh, a decent days, at least for fantasy. Do you think he is bouncing back? And with Austin Hooper continuing to produce now, almost everything he's had one bad week so far for fantasy. Is he worthy of being a tight end starter every single week?
1: Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll address Freeman first to me. He's still a sell high, um, you know, eight for 72 in the passing game is great, but his, uh, His rushing has has not been good, and I don't think it's going to be good. Atlanta's problem on offense is their offensive line, which is taking a toll on the running, but is also taking a toll, I think, on Matt Ryan and some of their ability to connect on these deep passes. He got sacked five times officially yesterday, but he took tons of hits, and that's one of the reasons they're constantly having to throw, too. That combined with some iffy defense. This is definitely the first month of the season. It's been a real indictment on my uh playoff predictions cuz i have the jets the steelers and the falcons in and they're a combined 1 and 9 so i'm feeling really good about that right now um but austin hooper was one of my favorite Tight end pickups. He's a guy I've been collecting in a lot of leagues because I always felt he had a pretty steady floor to throw out there. He seems to really have found a connection with Ryan last year, and this year has just been great. So, um, yeah, I, I'm I feel very excited having him as a tight end on my teams. He had two TDs last week, nine for 130 this week, um, and I feel like he's just getting a ton of targets.
0: Yeah, he is, and I feel like that's probably a lot um, or very upsetting to the Ridley and Julio Jones owners because they were really hoping that those guys were going to ball out and have uh, have really good years, and I just feel like uh, Austin Hooper is starting to eat into their value a little bit as well. Next up, we have the New England Patriots beating the Buffalo Bills 16-10. to Tom Brady looks uh, a little bit human here in this one, so surprisingly— Let's see here, Tom, Teflon Tommy, night, I'm sorry, 18-39, 150 yards and an interception, finishing his QB 27 on the week with 8.2 points. James White, best RB on the week for the Pats, RB 19, 13.8 points, one yard on one rush but adds 57 yards on eight catches. Sony Michelle continues to struggle, RB 42, 6.3 points, 63 yards on 17 carries, so does have a decent yard per average in 37 uh, 37, 3.7 yards here. My goodness, and does out carry everybody, but just not doing much. Josh Gordon and Julian Edelman, not surprisingly, struggle here against a very good Buffalo Bills defense and secondary. Gordon, 46 yards on three catches to finish as wide receiver, 47, seven point six points. And Edelman finishing as wide receiver, 54, with seven points, 30 yards on four catches. Win a close one again against a really good defense. I'm not worried about Gordon or Edelman or White or or Brady, even though they all had kind of pedestrian weeks, but Sony Michelle, what the hell is going on? Like he is it do you think that is it time to panic with Sony Michelle? Because we see he keeps getting the workload, he is just not doing anything with it. First of all, I think the biggest piece of trivia from
1: this game is if you would have told somebody that Matt Barkley was going to end up with the highest QBR in this game, people probably would have told you you were crazy. And his QBR of 11.3 is not what you would call good, but it was a point higher than uh, Teflon Tom out there. Uh, But back to your original question, Sony Michelle, if you're an owner the thing you feel good about is they said they were going to really feed him and try and get him going. They did give him 17 carries. The, part that you're not feeling great about is only 63 yards he does not seem to have any kind of role in the passing game even such as it was yesterday Um, I think that's what makes James White especially in PPR the most steady play week to week he you know when he's there he's the guy they're looking for and especially as they you know they flirted with Antonio Brown ditched him Edelman's a little banged up Gordon is not exactly what we all remember from 2012 you know Hard to believe that seven years of actual time has taken a toll on him, but sadly seems to be true. Dorsett, kind of that long bomb guy. They're looking for White. White seems to have kind of filled into that that underneath that Gronk role too, um, really well. Michelle, you know, when they play better teams, hopefully better days are coming. If they could build more of a lead, they can they can try running more. Um, he had a 15 yard run yesterday, but that's as long as he still just doesn't look explosive to me. Uh, and I don't know if that's a product of the teams they're playing, but at the same time, we've looked at New England's schedule and said it's, it looks like one of the softest to start. Uh, they get Washington next week. Uh, maybe they can build a lead and get him going again. So you're definitely worried because people took him as a high end RV2, hoping he might actually be an RV1, and they're really getting like a low end flex play at this point. But it's encouraging that he's getting 17 carries, that they are committing to trying to run the ball with him, and you just have to hope some better days come.
0: Yeah, that's um, with Michelle, man. It's uh, Maybe it's because he didn't play that much in preseason. Maybe we can kind of count that as Because he has looked better slowly, and week by week, I feel like he's definitely improved. So maybe that's what we can attribute to. At least that's what I hope we can attribute to it to because it is just really not – not looked good. On the Bills' side, you mentioned Matt Barkley. Uh, so he does come in at jo- after Josh Allen gets knocked out with a concussion. Takes a pretty vicious hit in this one. I don't think any malice or anything behind it, uh, but definitely, uh, unfortunately, knocks him out. 13-28, 153 yards and three interceptions. Does add 26 yards on five carries and does get the one touchdown for the Bills, finishing his QB 25 on the week with 11.97 points. Frank Gore gets you uh, 10.9 points, finishing his RB27 on the week, 109 yards on 17 carries. Cole Beasley, oh, and, and TJ Yeldon actually has a very decent day here, 68 yards on four catches to finish his RB28 with 10.8 points. Cole Beasley, the best wide receiver for the Bills, wide receiver 19 with 14.5 points, 75 yards on seven catches. John Brown, 69 yards on five catches, wide receiver 28 with 11.9 points. And Dawson Knox continues to prove a little bit of value here at the tight end position. 58 yards on three catches, finishing his tight end 18 on the week with 8.8 points. Again, the Bills struggle to stay in this game. Allen getting knocked out. I thought it might have hurt them a little bit. They did have a chance to win it. Uh, uh, Van Noy hit Barkley uh, in the hand or in the arm when he was throwing the ball, kind of threw up a punt in a way. And Jamie Collins again comes up with a big pick this week much like he did last week, and, and kind of seals the Bills' fate, unfortunately. We, we all know what Gore, yell, not really yelling, but Gore, Beasley, and Brown are with or without Josh Allen. I would expect he'll be back by Sunday, but we haven't heard much else about the concussion at this point. Dawson Knox, we talked a little bit about him last week. Again, really coming on. He was a tight end sleeper for a lot of people, including myself. Uh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on him uh, in this offense? Uh, and would you possibly be willing to stash him in a redraft league, or do you think he still needs to prove a little bit more?
1: Tight end is such an up and down position. Um, I could see grabbing him and, and stashing him somewhere. Buffalo is going to be a hard team to watch week to week. Um, you know, Josh Allen has some talent, and he obviously has the confidence of the team, but he is a turnover machine and uh, he's not incredibly accurate 13 to 28 below 50 percent completion percentage he got sacked four times he runs and he keeps you in it um, rushing is actually the part of buffalo that i feel the best about gore looks really good ageless wonder i can't wait to see singletary get back in there because i thought he looked really good for two weeks and he disappeared and frank gore Looks like he drank from the fountain of youth. Maybe he sucked out a little bit of Singletary's soul. Maybe that's how he's uh, staying alive all these years. But, you know, Allen, three interceptions, had a fumble that fortunately he didn't lose. It was the same thing week one. You know, their offense looked good at times, but he had thrown interceptions and fumbled it away. Uh, that just makes it really tough uh, for consistency. Um Knox looked uh, looked good at times. I saw two of his receptions came uh, from Barkley, so I don't know how how much he was involved early in the game, Um, so you don't know how much rapport they're building. I just find it hard to trust any Buffalo receiver week to week because you don't really know what their passing game is going to look like or their offense for that matter.
0: Yeah, I'm right there with you on Singletary, man. I have him in so many, and I'm only in three redraft leagues, but I have him in all three. I was able to get him uh, mostly the last draft I did, the McCoy news broke like an hour or two before our draft, and they let him slip, I think, to like the seventh round or eighth round when I took him, and he did look good until he got hurt. I cannot wait for him to come back because he is, he's, I think, going to be really good, especially with this offensive line and the rushing game. The last game we've got here might actually have been the best game of the weekend, in my opinion. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs here winning 34-30 to in, in what ended up being, as I said, a really good game. Kind of came down to the end here. Patrick Mahomes, although he does not throw a touchdown, ends up coming through for you in this one. Finishing his QB 13 on the week with 24 points. 24 of 42, 315 yards, adds 54 yards on the ground. Darrell Williams finishes the best RB for them, 18.6 points, finishing his RB 10. 13 yards on eight carries and two touchdowns, adds 43 yards on three catches. LaShawn McCoy comes in at RB15 with 16.9 points, 56 yards on 11 carries, and one touchdown adds 33 yards on two catches. Uh, But then the wide receivers, none of them really did much of anything. Demarcus Robinson, wide receiver 51 with 7.5 points, 35 yards on four catches. Sammy Watkins actually um, has the best day, really, for for wide receivers outside of Kelsey. 54 yards on three catches to be uh, wide receiver 57 with 6.4 points. Uh, and then Travis Kelsey just balls out again here. Tight end five, 15.5 points, 85 yards on seven receptions. Chiefs Mahomes, I mean, they're actually kind of slowed down a little bit by Matt Patricia in this defense, which I was a little bit surprised about. Uh, but he still gets his points. Travis Kelsey still gets his Darrell Williams ha- has been really good the past two weeks. I think kind of outplayed Sean McCoy for the most part. Is he a worthy flex starter for you every week until Damian Williams comes back?
1: Yeah, I think with Damian Williams, out, uh, I think he's actually playing the Damian Williams role, Looking at the splits and stuff. He didn't do a lot on the ground, also lost a fumble. Uh, but that was he was in good company there. Watkins and uh, sadly Michael Hardman both lost fumbles too, which really hurt their day. Uh, you know the Chiefs showing that they have multiple ways to win. You know just when you think Patrick Mahomes hasn't met a game that he can't throw three touchdowns, he says, Uh, wait just a minute, we'll run it when we're close." You know, and so I thought Darrell Williams kind of benefited from just being out there for a couple of goal line plunges. Uh, McCoy looks. Looks decent too, but uh, Darrell Williams, you know, especially seeing what he was doing in the passing game, I think that is the role they wanted Damian Williams to play. And I think it's worth considering, you know, will Damian Williams get that role back when he comes back healthy? Um, It's not like they were incredibly invested in him. I've seen a lot of talk that Andy Reid likes Darrell Williams and would like to keep him involved. When Damian Williams is healthy, does it turn into a three man? Just throw yourself out a window for fantasy. Does McCoy take a step back? Does Damian Williams not really get back involved? That's going to be something that's worth watching.
0: Yeah, I mean, the the one thing I would think maybe in a way they are, I don't want to say committed to him, but but willing to possibly give him a shot once he comes back. Because they did give him a two-year contract. So to me, that says they're at least... Somewhat invested in him, but that would be really interesting because I do think Darrell Williams has has looked amazing uh so far being out there. Let's see here. We've got on the Lions side a really good game from them. Matt Stafford finishing his QB five on the week with 34.59 points, 291 yards, 21 and 34, and three touchdowns. Carry on Johnson has himself a day, 25 carries, 125 yards. Only coming in, though, at uh, running back 16 with 15.7 points. He, I thought, looked really good running against a, a fairly decent Chiefs defense here. Kenny Galladay continues to prove he's the stud. Wide receiver 5, 25.2 points, 67 yards, two touchdowns, two great touchdowns with on five catches. Marvin Jones, 77 yards on three catches to finish his wide receiver 5, as, or, I'm sorry, 32 with 10.7 points. And then T.J. Hawkinson comes back. Got a T.J. Hawkinson siding here. Tight end, 14, 11.7 points, 27 yards, three catches, and a touchdown. Great game for the Lions. Fumbles cost him, as you mentioned. Not only did the Chiefs have fumbles, but so did the Lions. There was five fumbles altogether, I believe, in the third quarter is what it was. It was just ridiculous. Matt Stafford proving that maybe last year was the aberration. He has looked really good so far this year. And, again, in, a, in an offense we all thought would be extremely run heavy with Daryl Bevel coming over there. They have thrown the ball quite a bit. Kenny Galladay continues to look like the number one and an absolute stud, a guy that some guy in the fourth, fifth, and possibly even sixth round in the draft. He has definitely proven to work for you. Is is Marvin Jones worthy of being a flex for you? Because I feel like he's really kind of bounced back after the first two weeks were pretty bad. He's looked good in week three and four. And then is Hawkinson back on your tight end radar with a – Not great performance, but decent performance here. Did get three targets, so he was kind of right in the mix with a lot of guys outside of Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones.
1: Yeah, I think TJ Hawkinson, I'd put him a little bit in the same category we had, Jimmy Graham. You know, he's in what looks to be a pretty decent offense. This, you mentioned it earlier, I thought this really was the game of the day and the game of the weekend. Just uh, the Lions, a team that has shown a lot more heart and a lot more. Uh, on both sides of the ball than we expected. You know, if they hadn't maybe suffered a little opening day fatigue in the desert, probably be three and one right now uh, instead of two one and one. Um, and you know, they they kept battling back. Um, they looked really good. Hawkinson, I feel like you know he's in a decent offense. If he gets you a touchdown, he's going to be worth it. Kind of like Jimmy Graham getting those touchdowns from Aaron Rodgers. But when he doesn't, I haven't seen enough catches and yardage to be. Uh, To feel steady. I mean, you know, Travis Kelsey, we've seen a couple of games this year where he hasn't gotten touchdowns, but he gets six, seven receptions, gets you between 60 and 100 yards. He's setting a solid enough floor. Three for 27 is not a solid enough floor to feel good about if you're not getting... That touchdown, I think that's just a little too inconsistent, especially when you have a monster like Galladay on the goal line, who is somebody that you're going to be able to throw the ball up to. Marvin Jones, I do like him as a flex, especially in deeper leagues. I think he's looked good. Carry on Johnson, continuing to get a, a ton of work looks really good. It was interesting to see how they were working in J.D. McKissick yesterday. Might be one of the reasons they decided to let uh, C.J. Anderson go. He was uh, he got a couple of targets, caught a pass, got four carries for thirty yards. Curious to see uh, how he works in because he was somebody that had stolen some fantasy. Uh, points when he was up in Seattle, so kind of kind of interesting to see how that's all shaken out, obviously, Daryl Bevel was in Seattle, and points probably familiar with them um, but you know Matthew Stafford, I think last year was not a great year for him. a lot came out in the off season about how sick his wife was and what an emotional toll that was taking on him and I think people didn't realize all that was happening he wasn't right physically and this was a Lions team that kind of gave up. They traded Golden Tate. Marvin Jones got injured. They didn't seem to have a real identity on the offensive side of the ball. And I think we were we were too quick to write off Matthew Stafford. I know I was as somebody who you can feel good about, again, being in the conversation, especially in a year like this where we've seen so many quarterbacks just get hammered. Uh, Matthew Stafford just rolling right along and looks to have a pretty good offense again.
0: Yeah, that's a good point about his wife. Not that I forgot that that happened, but I did forget about that, that article coming out kind of talking about that. Maybe that is, that is why he struggles so much, but I um, mean, they've, they've really lived up to, I mean, I mean, I shouldn't say the hype, but they've really proven at least our buddy John Hamler's right. Cause he, he really was all in on them earlier. So he, he's definitely proved uh, or at least so far looking like his prediction of them winning the NFC North and carry on Johnson being an absolute stud outside of week one is, is proving to be right. So, Matt, obviously, thank you so much for joining me today to break down these seven games. We'll be back tomorrow as we will break down the remaining eight games, including the Monday night football game that will be going on tonight between the Craptastic Bengals and the Craptastic Pittsburgh Steelers. Have a great night and look forward to talking to you again tomorrow.
1: Yep, sounds great. And just remember, whoever wins this Craptastic game tonight is just one game out of first place in the AFC North. Prepare for glory. I don't know if you got your pop on red. Do you got your pop on red? I came like out the the whole line's ready. It is in the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football with team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me, Godly.
0: Over the tackle him in the point Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. <laughs> <laughs>